and Dice episode number four. I like the little slack you did beforehand. I like that. I wanted to see if it was working. I, I know you did, but <laughs> it, it kind of gives a little bit of a punch. Yeah. You went ninja on the, on the I did. mic. I I'm did. Impressed. Are you uh, are you sending a congratulatory uh, um, gifts to Kim Kardashian today? Oh, I heard that she's she's uh, given us a, a young little screaming Kanye. Yes. With, you, uh, with she's, boobs. She's, well, at some point along the she way. She has... Uh, Squoze out Kanye's uh, demon spawn. Well, and here's going to be the fun. Not that you and I talk. Well, actually, we've done our share of rapping about the Kardashians, but it's more about how vile we find this whole family to be. Yeah. And Kanye's right in the same level. So, to me, this is a match made in, in hell. Um, but it's going to be interesting because there's been no secret that dude's been overseas just banging anything he can. Well, yeah. I mean, the guy's a douche. So, I mean, the, the, the difference here is that. And, and I don't I don't put it aside I don't I don't um, I don't justify anything of Kanye's but it, but at least Kanye can can uh, support having some level of talent right whereas Kim Kardashian or any of her Kardashians have no talent and mm. people worship these people for whatever ungodly reason. But she hooks up with Kanye. They they do the the nasty, and and now we have another fucking Kardashian and a Kardashian Kanye uh, grouping, if you will. So here, here's something I am curious about, and, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to get racist here. I'm really not. Have, I, I I always love a statement that starts. <laughs> I don't mean to be racist. 
plot. Have these chicks ever dated a white dude in their life? Even the youngest one now is dating frickin' Will Smith's son. Oh, is she really? Yeah, the young... The the 15-year-old, or whatever, Kendall, or whatever her name is. And I think she goes by Jenner, but... But yeah, you... Well, I... I find it fascinating that they're just flat out... I don't think that's a racist comment. I think that... I don't think that there are any... All of all of the you now I'm trying to 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 put the the statement on with kid gloves as well, mm. but the types of celebrities that they want to be around or they want to be the the blingy. Oh, I was thinking they're they're basically blingtastic. Yes, they 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 are the equivalent of worthy overdone jewelry that and, you can wear. And those are primarily. Rappers, athletes, mm-hmm. those types of, of uh, individuals. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and yeah, they just happen to be, the majority of them happen to be African American. Yeah. It, I mean, I don't know if there's a whole lot of, of Caucasian celebrities looking to be part of their scene. Exactly. At all. It, it, it's just too much, well, and that's just what it is. It's too much of a scene. Right. And normally, it's just more of a lay-low situation. I mean, I I just find it really fascinating. Really, really fascinating. Right. Like I said, there there aren't any, uh, that I'm aware of, there aren't any, or or many white athletes or white, well, there are no white rappers, except for Eminem, and he isn't even significant anymore. I was going to say, his relevance is pretty much gone now. Um, Yeah, so the, the... it is. I think it is all about the bling and the the, uh, the over the top. The question is, how much money is she going to be paid for the first baby photos? Or or does E already have a, a, a show already ba- a set to record the whole goddamn thing? Because E, I remember when E actually had some legit programming in the late nineties, early aughts, and now it's basically the Kardashian channel. But it's not E's fault. No, well, there are people eating it up. Oh, yeah, these mindless uh, turds are, are watching well, I don't this blame shit. them, as long as it's pulling in ratings. Making celebrity where there is none. You and I have always been quick, quick to blame the right people for this. Yeah. It's the tools that watch this shit. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame MTV for Jersey Shore. I blame the dickheads who kept watching the filth. Right. I mean, if I'm MTV, I was running that thing right into the ground. It's fine. Yeah, sure. Just write it down. That's that's yeah. no problem. It's just so. it's it's mindless trash. That's yeah. all it is. I mean, I, I I just don't get it. But yeah, it, good for them and good for the kid whose future will be pimped out by momager or grandmomager or right. whatever. Yeah, no doubt. So, are you a fan? We're we're both fans of The Walking Dead. Are you a fan of the after show, The Talking Dead? I love. The Talking Dead. I do. I, I mean, I, I like it. Um, yeah, I, I don't necessarily like every episode. It really depends on Although who they've got. celebrity guests. Yeah, who they've got, what's going on that week. But I like the concept. Yep. And I wish a lot more shows would do this type of thing because because that's what people want to do. They want to have that water cooler discussion about what they just saw while it's fresh in their mind with a bunch of like-minded people. And it's interesting. I love the fact that you use water cooler discussion. Because, unfortunately, in this day and age of 200 channels and nothing's on kind of idea, mm-hmm. 
Well, about 200 channels. There's all, if anything, there's too much on. You don't have water cooler talk anymore. Uh, unless you're one of those Uber fans who goes to message boards, chances are you're not getting much of that water cooler and talk And I hate anymore. to do that because then it's just trolling. You deal with crap. Internet Flame Boy who's not going to be happy about anything. Hipster douche that's going to try to get his little 10 cents worth down. So to me, that that's a great way to put it is this is... The Talking Dead gives Walking Dead fans an outlet for another hour of let's got what we saw. Right. Well, apparently now they're going to do it for the final eight episodes of uh, Breaking Bad. They're going to call it Talking Bad. Uh, A little late to the party with this show. Yeah. Considering there's only eight episodes left. But, again, I like the concept. And now there's rumor going around that uh, Ryan Murphy wants to do something over on FX. Um, it's sort of an after show for American Horror Story. Now there's a show that really needs something like that, I think. Because as much as I love American Horror Story, I after two seasons, I still don't know what the hell American Horror Story is trying to do on a weekly basis. At, at times I don't even know what the show is. No. No, American Horror Story is really just a collection of imagery and and topics that somehow work together, but is impossible to comprehend how. Mm. (laughs) You you really there's there's a there's a point A and a point Z, and and it's really you really just got to let your mind sail to try to figure out how it gets from one end to the other. it's impossible to nail down. This is certainly a show that begs for this type of treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, what I think will be important is it would really benefit by having somebody from the writing staff or part of the crew as part of each episode. If they're just going to go and roll out three random celebrities who, right. who are watching it, I don't know that we're going to get as much out of it other than just trying to break it down. But I think it'd be interesting to get that little snapshot into the mind of Ryan Murphy or whoever right. and try to determine what the fuck is really going on. Because I don't know how many times I've sat during that show and said, I don't know what the fuck is going on anymore. Right. But it's fascinating. Oh, it is. It, it's. It, it kind of reminds me of going back and watching like Cronenberg's Naked Lunch. Where you don't know what the hell you're seeing. And you don't even know if it's just one long drug trip. Yeah. But it's fascinating as shit to see it unfold. Yeah. And, yeah, I, 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 I think it's a, this is the show is the reason to have that kind of show. That is what Water Cooler Talk is all about. Right. Um, and I think there's other shows out there that would benefit from this type of thing as well. Um, can can you think of any? Um, I think uh, I think Sons of Anarchy would be cool to have a show after. Uh, yeah, I, Sons of Anarchy would. I could see a Bates Motel being discussion worthy. Bates Motel, yep, yep. Because there is enough going on in each episode, where especially now that it's clear that the whole town is connected in some way. The killing, which is an AMC show. Yep. Um, so I mean, and these they've kind of. Uh, fathered this concept um yeah there, there's a lot of shows and, and the overhead's got to be virtually nothing the unfortunate thing is there's one i think that that could get some play even though it's it's more game of thrones to me is one mm-hmm. that that is a water cooler i love sitting and talking game of thrones well, the downside of any game, of those right um, anything that's of the geek caliber of shows. those dramas on the playstation right. sure 
And the downside with the Game of Thrones is it's an HBO show, so yep. you, you it would have to You'd get have to this kind of treatment HBO. the way it is. But clearly, I mean, I, I read was it six million people watched the finale in while it was airing. I'm yeah. sorry, watched the Red Wedding episode. It plus another three to four million, which I think is way it's way conservative. Yeah. That watched it stream that that watched a DVR recording or watched it in some other fashion. Right. I don't buy that number. I think it's way bigger than that. Yeah. But yeah, it, any show like this begs for that kind of treatment. It, it's fun to sit and talk about it. That's what makes us fans fans. Right. Um. When's the last time you were at Disney World? This is an interesting topic. It is an interesting topic. Twelve years ago, but apparently I'm going later on this year. Oh, is that where uh, this is, is where, where we've we settled on? I, I, I may have pushed this idea. Well, a that's little not bit. that's not a bad. That's not no. Bad. Well, I love Disney World, and, and the the way it came up was let's do Universal. I said, well, if we're going to go to Universal, if I'm that close to Disney, been twelve years. There's, I fucking There is Disney. an ale house right across the street from Universal, by the way. And we're looking at staying pretty close to Universal, so. Right. Um, but, dude, I love Disney. You, you, Disney is perfect. You go to go and be a kid all over again. Yeah. Uh, that, to me, is perfect. You get to mentally check out and just be a kid. Yeah. Um, well, of course, Disney's acquired the Star Wars... Uh, Filmography, pretty much everything. Star yeah, they, they pretty they, much they own, own Lucasfilm. Right. right. Um, and they've always had a, a working relationship with them, with having uh, star tours and as part of their studio theme park and stuff. Well, now they have the opportunity to expand upon that. And there's uh, some word going out there that they're looking at expanding it, similar to like what Universal did with the Harry Potter world. Um and doing something similar with Star Wars at the studios. I think this could work if they do it right. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff. As much as I like the Muppet Vision and all that kind of stuff, there's a lot of that backlot stuff that's just old it's and need of an update. Yeah, I mean, the Muppets are, are, are still relevant today, but, but that show is certainly, you know... You're only going to it for nostalgia's sake now. Right. It, it's it's nothing new. Well, I look at like the Indiana Jones spectacular show. It's impressive. It's been the same impressive show for 15 years. Right. Um, so they're talking about making making some stuff there, but but then I heard a report where they say ah, it may just be like some interactive stuff and some character meet and greets. I think that's a big fail. Because I, I think there's a lot of opportunity to do some really cool things, like Harry Potter. Sure. Put put some more rides. And I'm saying don't do your meet and greets and don't do other things. I mean, make a Moss Eisley Cantina restaurant. Well, and that was the first thing that popped into my mind. You could do yeah. the Cantina. Do some sort of, um, uh, I don't know, like... Uh, big attraction where you, you ride X-Wing fighters or mm -hmm. land speeders. or so. There's got to be some, some really cool concepts for for roller coasters or something to make this like a really cool, oh, really cool the, thing. Um, there are so many options that they can go with here because uh, the Star Wars universe is one that, let's be honest, you've already hit it. Ships are so much a part of the universe mm. 
these scream for rides. They don't all have to be Star Tours type rides. You could do roller coasters that sure. simulate certain things. You could do any of that. It would be entertaining as hell. Have some interactive stuff. Throw in your cantinas. Throw in your little gift stores, however you want. But if you gave people four Star Wars rides and centered it, put everything somehow in the Star Wars universe, that would be a lot of fun, dude. It would be. And then you could have the characters wandering around. They own it, may as well. I think that would be entertaining as shit to yep. go see. Yep. Plus, you I'd could employ over. another midget because you could have Yoda. This is true. Yoda and the Ewoks, which you know. Well, of course. Dude, midget in a Yoda suit? I'd pay the $100 daily admission just, just to for see that. It. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, another little bit of news here. Joss Whedon um, on some podcast had indicated that Loki will not be a part of the Avengers 2. I'm fine with that. Because at some point you're just going to be on Loki overload. Right. He's a part. He was a part of Thor. He's a part he of the next part Thor of the movie. Next <laughs> Thor. He was the big part of the Avengers. I mean, he's been the villain essentially in two movies, and it remains to be seen what happens with the next Thor. I can't imagine he's the the main villain again. Everything I heard rumors about is that this is Loki's attempt at retribution. That he's trying to get back in good graces. With the with the fam and with Asgard, right? Um, yeah, I, he doesn't belong in Avengers too. That's there's just too much. I mean, he's a great character, and Hiddleston plays him perfectly. But at some point, you've got to. I mean, the, the Marvel cinematic, the Marvel universe in general is so it's vast, big enough. There's so many other characters they can pull from for the Avengers universe. <sighs> Um, and I think Thanos is, you know, going to be the big bad for... Which is going to be interesting, because we have Guardians of the Galaxy coming out. With Giant C. Riley, apparently. Yeah, and, and I don't know what podcast I heard, and I agree with this comment wholeheartedly. I hope he's not Rocket Raccoon, because... Uh. If I hear John C. Riley's voice, mm -hmm. I loved Wreck-It Ralph, but as soon as Wreck-It Ralph said something, you're instantly picturing John C. Riley. Right. I think Rocket Raccoon, not that I know much about the Guardians of the Galaxy, but I, I know enough about them to know the last thing I want is a character that as soon as you hear the voiceover work, you're picturing that actor and not the character. Not for, right. not for the badass Rocket Raccoon supposed to be. Right. Maybe a, maybe a stellar up and coming actor like Jaden Smith could pull off. Robert oh Rocket fuck Rocket. yeah, dude! <laughs> oh, and, he can nail it. Yeah, and I and I uh, I'm happy to report that after what has it been two weeks since after it opened mm -hmm. that it is number nine on the box uh, office chart now. It is it is virtually falling off. It's only made fifty four million. It was one hundred thirty. Oh, I hope. No, then that is, that's before even uh, what do you call it? Not merchant, a promotion. This is stellar news. Yeah, it, it for is. For those of us who are uh, not fans of, of the demon spawn of Will and Jada Pinkett Smith. Let's hope that uh, the amount of uh, money Overbrook pumped in can't sustain another uh, fail like this. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to say that this is the death nail in the coffin oh, no. of Jaden Smith. Because I do think that Will and Jada's egos are so big that they're not, they're not, it's not registering yet. Nope. Um, 
And they're going to still try to pump another thing out. But I think the people have spoken. I don't think this is so much an indictment on Shyamalan. Oh. To a point it is. I I don't even think that a lot of people, some more people than used to are holding this against Will Smith. But a lot of people just see the fact that your kid has no fucking talent. No. He he was horrible in that film. Yeah. And, And... and I don't totally blame Jaden, whoever thought well, no. that that was a good idea to put a kid who's really, really early in the, the stages of acting, and you, I'm putting acting with quotes around it, having him be the centerpiece of basically a two-person movie where the person number two was only in it for ten minutes, right. and you need to be the focus of it then for the other hour and thirty, that's... That's fail. Whoever thought this was a good idea just fucking blew it. Well, his old man thought it was a good right. idea. Right. Who, who thought yep. it was a good idea. And it's then Overbrook, Overbrook threw some money at it, and now we get the turd that is After Earth. <laughs> and, and it's sinking fast. Oh, it's, it's, it's brilliant. I mean, Absolutely it's, it's brilliant. basically become this big joke, which... Hey, uh, but I'm glad you pointed out... Uh, we, I mean, we already said it, but... Now it's becoming almost cool to say, well, yeah, there it is, it's M. Night again. No, this wasn't an M. Night feeling. He had something to do with it. Well, sure. But this movie was about how bad acting really can be and how bad a story can be. Right. And yet have a $130 million budget. <laughs> right. Hey, you know, who's, you know who's really fucking weird? I can think of a few people. I'm, I'm thinking more of like a, a group of people. Oh, yeah, well... The fucking Japanese. They they are. are there's weird. a reason why Attack of the Show had what? What the fuck, Japan? Or whatever. <laughs> it's, it's like yeah, what the fuck, Japan? Dude, more weird shit comes out of the Japanese culture than anywhere else in the fucking. There's planet. nothing wrong with uh, coin op machines that give you quote unquote used panties. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I, I, this is a great idea. Uh, I mean. Only in Japan do you get shit that's on the level of weirdness as this following story. <clears throat> the new, apparently sexual fetish. Now, there's there's a bajillion I, fetishes out there. In Japan's thought of half of them. <laughs> so, yeah, some I guess I get, some I totally don't get. This one is is off the charts. Eyeball licking. I, what? Oh, I, I don't even. I don't even know where to begin with this. Eyeball licking. I'm fucking grossed out by the thought, dude. Well, I, and that's just it. Um, there's an article here, and the woman they're quoting, her name is well, allegedly, <laughs> Electrica Energias. All right. Oh, bullshit. Right. Okay. Right. right. Let's stop right there for a second. <laughs> do we do we uh, give any credibility to comments that come from Electrica Energias? She's a 29-year-old environmental science student. Well, first of all, you're a student at age 29 in the U.S. Virgin Islands. I, I don't. It doesn't say she's Japanese or not. I. But apparently she's into eyeball licking. My boyfriend started licking my eyeballs years ago and I just loved it. 
I'm not with him anymore, but I still like to ask guys to lick my eyeballs. Okay, time out. <laughs> how do you approach what? this? Yeah, subject? how do you how do you how do you even bring this up in conversation? Okay, <laughs> you you're, you're out on the town. You've taken Electrica out for uh, for dinner and a movie. She comes back. You think you're thinking maybe second base, something like that. You know, like that. I don't even know where this falls in the Yeah, place. where does... I, a I, think it's a, I was going to say, I think it's a ball. <laughs> it's a ball. You, you, get a, you get a free base. But. What dude... Now, dudes will do a lot of shit if they think they're going to get, get laid or at least yeah, a blowjob. Yeah. Exactly. But, but how many dudes are like just slamming on the brakes when Chick goes, lick my eyeballs? I, I think I'd have... I, I'd say, can I start by tossing your salad first? <laughs> We're not getting back into beaver conversations here. But I'm, I'm, more apt, I'm more apt to go look into for pictures with the three-foot beaver than I am. Yeah, dude! <laughs> look at this chick's eyeball. No, and again, somebody had to have come up with the idea. Well, that's just it. And, I mean, and, and apparently it was the damn Japanese. I, I, I get, I, I get how for most fetishes out there, I can see where somebody go. Yeah, okay, I, I get that. That just looks good to me. But licking an eyeball? Yeah. How did these people kick our ass in Pearl Harbor? <laughs> <laughs> they, they came up with eyeball licking. <laughs> anyway, Electrica says, "I just love it because it turns me on, like sucking on my toes. It makes me feel all tingly." I'd rather see her suck on her own toes. I mean, that's a little well, odd. I don't think she sucks on her toes. I think she likes the sensation of people. No, she people. said sucking on my toes. Well, yeah, but I think I think the context was it, it turns her on like sucking on my toes. I think it, the context is yeah. Well, the, and maybe her partner. But there's always chicks who can. Electrica's partner, Daredevil, <laughs> sucks on her toes. And it's also a very intimate act, she said. Well, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I'm not walking up to a random friend and just going, hey, here we go. Good game and looking the eyeball. I'd rather somebody pat my ass and say, hey, that's a good hit. Yeah. I, I just don't, I, I don't ask just anyone to do it. Guys I like are a lot more likely to not think it's so weird. So... There's only well, because your name's Electra. Uh, yeah, there, there is a certain level of dude that you're attracting, and I guess, I guess maybe that's the type of guy who's into this type of thing. She says, "I've never had anyone turn me down, though." She said, uh, and apparently this has been around since the, like the mid 2000s. And if you search on YouTube, it brings up a bunch of videos that uh, of people that are into this shit. I, I, I don't get it. At all. It, it makes no sense to me on any level. Uh, I'm not even going to try to figure out what goes through somebody's mind who's into this shit. Um, and, and health experts... And apparently th this is coming to the forefront because of this, like, pink eye epidemic shocking. going around in Japan. It's shocking that introducing foreign liquid to an eyeball is a bad idea via via your tongue which is which can be abrasive so you're risking like corneal scratches and shit like and that you know how many how much bacteria resides in people's oh, mouths god 
<laughs> There's a reason why the average person ain't sharing a soda with somebody else or sharing a drink with your wife or a spouse or whatever. Sure. I don't like doing that. that. <laughs> even that's like, which side did she just grab the glass on? Yes. Here, I'll go for the other. Dude, I, I don't even like, yeah, I don't even like sharing food and drinks with other people. If mm-hmm. somebody takes a bite of my sandwich, even if it's somebody like my wife or kid... I don't want the rest of the damn sandwich. No. Well, that's uh, like the other day I had a pizza and said, okay, can I have a bite? Here, take a slice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is exactly. the perfect food for that. <laughs> Rock on, have a full slice. I, mean, I can do with one, one less. Bite and right. throw, throw it I away. can do with one less. But you're not you're not eating my that's slice it. of pizza. That, that's right. Yeah, it's 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 not a it's sanitary. Yeah. And Licking an eyeball that can't be anything sanitary. Appar- apparently, the the middle schoolers down there like the, it's, it's like a big thing with like twelve and thirteen year olds in in Japan. So they they dress up like Hello Kitty and and go around licking each other's eyeballs. Maybe battle royale is needed, dude. Maybe it's time. It's time to weed out the. Uh, <laughs> Weed out the eyeball lickers or whatever else. <laughs> Draw that one classroom every year to keep them in line. Um, it's uh, the oh, the bacteria in the mouth is nothing like the bacteria in the eyeball, which is why we no longer recommend people <laughs> lick contact lenses to moisten them. I mean, it's for the same reason. Um, but those serious problems may not be enough to stop eyeball licking lovers like. Uh, Electrica, who admits her habit did put her eyesight at risk at one point. <laughs> so Electrica clearly is stupid because she doesn't even learn from her mistakes. I got some weird offshoot of TB in my eye once. <laughs> A weird offshoot of TB in my eye once. That 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 warranted repeating. I ended up with corneal ulcers and spent a month in the hospital. Nobody really knows why. I know why, Electrica, because people were licking your fucking eyeballs. Well, I got over it, and I'm fine now. That was like six years ago. I'm just safer now, I guess. Live and learn. I mean, they don't really make tongue rubbers, but maybe they should. Maybe you shouldn't have your eyeball licked. I would rather rather bang an unclean woman and deal with the penicillin shot afterwards. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. I'm guessing Electrica Energius is an unclean woman. Oh, yeah. I'm sure she's had her share of uh, outbreaks. What part about, about a weird offshoot of TB in the eye, corneal ulcers... Makes you want to continue this. Can't you find another fetish? That, well, and that's... Of all the things you can like, all of them, eyeball licking? Right. There's got to be something else out there. Right. So, if you want to get peed on, get peed on. That's still not as bad as this. No, but but if you're gonna go if you're gonna go number two on somebody, no, 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 but that's that that has to be the worst thing ever. That and the vomit thing, but yeah. I would argue that dropping the deuce on somebody <laughs> is worse than vomit. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's enough of this shit, dude. <laughs> Literally, yes. <laughs> Let, let's move on. 
Come on, Annie. Let's go to the movies. Let's go see the stars. <laughs> Cowboy heroes, cops and robbers, glamour and strife, bigger than life. Sitting in the darkness, what a world to see. Let's go to the movies, Annie. Wait and see. You'll be happy to know that I've actually watched a few things this week. Well, a couple of things this week. Good. I won't be alone this time. Which is you, funny because normally it's you who've seen a whole bunch. And I know, but just it just hasn't it hasn't happened uh, lately for me. Well, you've been catching up on like Arrested Development. And well, stuff yeah, too, yeah, so yeah. I, you've had your viewings. It's just stuff that shit. we're really not discussing around this. Yeah. Plus, I found Freaks and Geeks, right? And, and that's, so that's what I've been uh, doing. But I did catch. Uh, I caught. I caught a couple flicks this week. Um, I caught uh, This Is The End, the uh, the comedy with uh, Franco and Seth Rogen and, and their ilk. And that's also one of my list, because I also caught This Is The End. You did go. I did go. Awesome. So we can really discuss this one. Awesome. Now, now I, I've never been a big fan of the stoner comedy genre. I find, I, I guess you have to be a stoner to appreciate a lot of it. Yeah. But I found this movie to be pretty damn funny, dude. And and I think it, although it was every stoner comedian you could think of thrown into one pot, I, and while weed was in the flick, it seemed more like an accessory than the crutch. And a lot of the shit just worked. Well, And I would argue that weed was in it as much as... Well, like you say, as an accessory, because right from the get-go, they approached the fact that they went with the images that they, the celebrities in it, know that they portrayed and painted themselves in certain corners, and they ran with it. They they owned it, and Pod is one of the big ones. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. Seth Rogen, it's he, no secret. made a career off That's of pretty this. much what he's known as right now, is he, he is the closest to a Cheech and Chong that we've got at this point. Which is unfortunate, because you and I have trashed Seth Rogen. He's done some good stuff. He was really good in Take This Waltz. And, and he was good in that. He is excellent in 50-50. And I'll give the guy credit for being able to write interesting stuff. Right. Even, even Zack and Mary, which yeah. got you know critically lambasted. I, I think there's more to Rogan than just the weed, the haze of weed that he's grown up with. I, I, I've, he's grown on me more. Franco, not so much. But I, I liked Franco in this because Franco was literally, he, he took what he knows he portrays mm-hmm. and went times ten. Well, that was the great thing about this flick was it's like everybody was just making fun of what their perception is to people Outside of Hollywood, hey, look at a Craig uh, Robinson. Craig Robinson was with his freaking Mister Robinson towel over his shoulder because he's everyone. Go, oh yeah, he sweats way too much. <laughs> he's the big guy. <laughs> Dude, Craig Robinson was awesome. He was off movie. the fucking hook. And, and I have to, I have to ask you right now, Michael Sarah. Dude, <laughs> there's two people in this movie, three that really come to mind as my favorite characters in this movie. 
Michael Sarah. There's and I, very little screen time. Dude, but the fact that when uh, once his pots has to go take a leak and he opens the bathroom door and Michael Sarah's like, come on in, except he's getting his salad tossed on one <laughs> while well, a, a rim job, I should say, and a blow job on the other side. And he's standing there pants down and hey, come on in, dude. Just come in and take a leak. It's all right. And how over the top he was, this is as total coked out. And I even like the fact that they nailed why I can't stand him. They commented on the coked out 110 pound hipster douchebag. <laughs> yeah. And that's all he is in my mind. He's become yeah. hipster douchebag. Right. And so own it. Emma Watson, I loved her turn in this movie, dude. <laughs> and I love the fact that if anything, she was still Emma Watson. Right. But just the whole scene was so absolutely ridiculous. Ray down to taking the axe and lopping the head off the, the giant stone dick. Yeah. Which I thought was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> And the, I like Craig Hudson trying to move that. <laughs> yeah, move yeah. and, and then he even comments about he likes his his, his dick tent that he yeah. made. And the third guy who I think came out of this looking really good, Danny fucking McBride. Danny McBride. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Any scene he was in, I was just fucking fixing. Dude, I, I think the, well, the funniest scene in the thing was when him and Franco going back and forth about the, I'm coming on you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Frickin' uh, McBride finds the only penthouse in the in the room yeah. in the building. And <laughs> My pages are stuck together. <laughs> He's like, oh, come on, come on. Why are you using that to whack off to? We got the internet, even though he's already done it and destroyed the book. Yeah. No, dude, that that movie was really fucking funny. It was. Now, I have to ask you, though, about the end. Well, and here's, here's what I'm going to say. The only real knock I have on it is... I don't know that we needed a hundred uh, an hour and forty five minutes. It got started to feel a little long, mm-hmm. and about fifteen minutes long. And in my mind, that scene you're implying <laughs> falls right into that fifteen <laughs> minutes. I I didn't mind the heaven scenes, but to me, about thirty seconds of that would have been entertaining. Yeah. That movie just felt. It, it was a great movie, but it could have been an hour and a half, and I would have been a little bit happier with it. Yeah, I, I loved it. I mean, and like I said, I, I never, I never found myself just like busting a gut laughing, no. but I was, I was amused through the entire thing. Some of it was just so ridiculous; it was funny, and the, just the the little comments, the, the the barbs between all the characters were just top notch writing. It was so funny. Well, and again, it's because they they know that they they're all from a certain pack, and they know the image that they portrayed. And I'll even give Rihanna credit for even approaching it in this, where it's like, holy shit. They know exactly how they're coming across, and they just owned it. Like, a season, sorry, hanging off for dear life for the thing. It's like, you're already in the hole. <laughs> well, then I love the fact, when Craig Robinson afterwards, I tried to help him. I tried to help the season, and I couldn't. He's like, no, he's the one guy. Yeah, you're already in the hole. It keeps on yeah. running. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, it was, it, no, it was it was a blast. Easily a four out of five for yep, me from, no a, question. from a comedy and, standpoint. And a comedy to me that was worth paying money to see. Yes, and that for exactly. me is a big thing. Normally yeah. they're not. Yeah. And shout cat. In, in this case, I really I loved it. I was so happy I saw that flick. Right. Um, staying on that um, genre of film. I actually pulled up Rapture Palooza. 
That's the Craig Robinson, Anna Kendrick, uh, and uh, the kid from uh, Freaks and Geeks. Uh, I think it's Fra... Frau Bluka? No. <laughs> Thomas Francis Daly or something like that. I don't know. He, he plays uh, one of the kids in, in uh, Freaks and Geeks, but he's all grown up in this. Uh, dude, this was horrible. <laughs> I, I've heard and, that. And you know what? It, it, it was very... The cast is in it because it's got Rob Cordry in it, um, Craig Robinson. This is their type of flick. I mean, the... Those guys are at home in this kind of, of garbage flick. What the hell Anna Kendrick was thinking getting involved with this, I'll never know. Because it, it, I guess with her in it, and I guess the part for me that makes it not work is the fact that she was in it. Because today, Anna Kendrick, if you if you think Anna Kendrick, you're thinking, okay, this is probably a pretty decent flick. Mm-hmm. She's, she's earned that right. But then she throws herself into a thing like this. I'm expecting a lot more, and I got a Rob Codry flick with Anna Kendrick in it, and it just doesn't work. Now, she's hot. Is she naked? <laughs> no. God damn it! I don't. I don't think she. Uh, I don't think she dabbles in that. Um, there were a couple of, of concepts that would have been funnier um, if they'd been written by people who were funny, I guess, but. It it tries a little too hard to be funny and it doesn't work. Um, and, and and Kendrick is fine. It, it's just it it's just not a funny flick. It, and she 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 deserves better than that. But eh, she's the one who went into it too. So. I I, I kind of get the impression with Anna Kendrick that she to a certain extent she's still trying to find her own way. Well, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I think she's, I think she's so afraid of being typecast as a chick who was in Twilight that she's willing to do other things, and I don't think she Uh, needs to do that. I don't know that. I see. I don't know about that. I mean, because she's her role in Twilight was so small, right? And that's why I said I don't think she needs to do that. And And she's proven herself to be Academy Award worthy. mm -hmm. She's been nominated. She she was great. But you're right. She does do. She doesn't have a genre. She gets in the middle of all sorts of shit. She's she's done music. She's done drama. She's done comedy. Mm-hmm. She does all sorts of weird shit. But, man, this was a misfire. Big time hmm. for her career. Um, and I, I don't think a whole lot of people are going to see it. So it probably isn't going to register. Well, it's just going to be real limited release, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Craig Robinson is Craig Robinson. Craig Robinson, I'll watch Craig Robinson do anything. I think yeah. he's fucking hilarious. Um, and, and he's funny in this, but he's he's not really given enough to to rise above just regular Craig Robinson stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was it it was kind of a waste of time. Hmm. I wouldn't recommend it. Mm-hmm. Rapture Palooza. If you've got to go see a, an end of the world flick, go see This Is the End. Well, I can't tie in. The next movie I saw was Hansel and Gretel, uh, Witch Hunters. And I have um, not seen this yet. It. I knew I was kind of... Well, obviously, it's a January movie, and, and it feels like a January movie. When the first they were talking about rolling it out last summer, this movie would have been total fail to land her in the summer. It did okay in January, but... 
I know it was in for trouble in the second when you watch the production covers in the beginning, and there's the Moon Man from MTV Films. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> we have a problem, Houston, uh, already. It's an MTV flick. It's I like the casting. I love Gemma Arden. I love Renner. I love Jeremy Renner. And it, what's interesting with this movie is it's they do a good job of having them be Hansel and Gretel who have killed all the witches. They they go beyond just the whole they survived the witch and the, and the house, the gingerbread house thing. They make it their sole thing to learn to hunt and kill witches. So they do play off the mythology of the Oh, song. yeah. It starts out with them being caught by a witch and the, the whole kids. killing of the witch. Um, their parents have disappeared. They don't know what's happened. So they literally have to... They survive this event and then make it their thing. They're going to kill witches. Is the house made of candy? The house was made of candy. Really? And the witch was even feeding them the fat... Everything about this movie is very rated R. They don't pull any punches violence-wise and language-wise at all. Good. Gemma Arden, I, if I'm not mistaken, literally her first line, fuck, was in the middle of it. Um, and that part that of it... gives me plays, hope for fables. That part of this really played well. Certain parts of this movie are better than I would have expected. The problem it has is... At no point does it feel like it's anything but an MTV film. Mm. Um, the, the witches look really stupid. Really, really, really stupid. They took the old Grimm's look of the, the creepy... Well, even going back to like Snow White, and I'm losing the name of the, the, the old witch in that. The, there's a name she oh, has. I don't, uh, I don't remember her name. A much bigger word. Maleficent. Uh, no, that wasn't no, Snow White. No, that's uh, Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty. Um, and that's what I was thinking. Which they is, are making a movie of. Yeah, I was actually thinking of Sleeping Beauty. And then the old crone with the apple. And the, yeah, yeah, yeah. They take that image and they multiply it times ten. And this witches are something that as soon as you saw one anywhere near you, you'd be freaked the fuck out and run. They turn them into something far more different than the classic look. So Hansel and Gretel know what they're looking for. Didn't like that. And they didn't like the Van Helsing approach that they took mm. to weapons. Where it's... <clears throat> They don't have crossbows. They have Gatling gun crossbow. Uh, they don't have just like regular arrows. They're using rifles at times and everything. And you're going, what well, the fuck kind of weaponry do we have here? I looked at the, in looking at the trailers, it felt very like, yeah, like steampunk Van Helsing. It, it, that's a great, great way to put it. Very, very steampunkish. Which some people may dig that. I like steampunk. I don't mind steampunk. Make a steampunk movie. Right. Not and stick with it. Don't yeah. just have the weaponry be steampunk. Um a, a, a person who I, I actually dig a lot and I'm, I, I think his name is like Peter is it Peter Stormeyer Stormeyer. He was known as a, he was most known for being like Constantine. He was the devil in it. Uh, he did the, uh, going back to Minority Report, he was the doctor that gave Tom Cruise the eye surgery. Mm -hmm. I also want to say he was, there was a line of Volkswagen ads that ran um, where he was like some German hipster producer. We're going to pump your ride up kind of thing. Yeah. He plays a great character as a sheriff in this. Totally his kind of character. Character-wise, the movie's fun. Action-wise, it's fun. 
It just feels like, though, they took a PG movie and slammed an R rating into it. And it, that's where it suddenly feels like it disconnects. If they'd stuck with the idea of just doing an over-the-top Van, uh, uh, Hansel and Gretel movie, it would have been good. There's too much being mashed up here, though, for the MTV crowd. And that's where it falls apart. Like it. Worth the rent. Don't buy this movie. You'll probably never watch it more than once. Okay. Did you see anything else? I did. Damn. I also saw Snitch, the the Rock movie where it's the quote-unquote based on true events of a, a dude whose son from a previous marriage is 18 is and is a fucking idiot. He has a buddy who convinces him to have the buddy mail him some drugs. What he doesn't realize is the buddy's been caught by the police turned state's evidence and thrown this poor kid under the bus. So when the kid receives the package, it's a big package of ecstasy or something. Major league fucking big bag of it. When he moves the bag, there's the government trace right underneath of it. He instantly knows he's caught. So 18-year-old kid, by our... Per this movie, it's enough drugs that there's intent to distribute... So, at the very least, at 18, he's looking at 10 years for just telling a buddy to do him a solid. Right. And it's basically The Rock's character saying, going to one of the bigger DAs in the area that's doing the whole uh, war on drugs, saying, look, I own a, a large logistics company. I have trucks. I will do whatever work you need undercover. Working with the cartels, if it can get time off my son's sentence. He's 18. He did a stupid thing, probably trying to get pot. He shouldn't have to live with this for 10 years being in prison. He'll never survive it. And it's an interesting story because you kind of get into the underground of cartels. You, you and I made the comment, went to Vegas, and we did our little trek out of the desert. <laughs> you want to feel uncomfortable, stand oh, in the middle very, of the desert. Very Breaking Bad. Yeah, and, <laughs> and they, they kind of get into this where he's being, where he knows he's putting himself in situations that no person should ever be in. And there's a really interesting turn for a character John Bernthal's in it. I had no idea he was in it. And he plays basically the guy who works for The Rock who put right on his application they'd had two priors for trafficking. And as The Rock says he's got his pitches I've got connections with this. I run construction logistics. A lot of my guys have criminal records. I take that too. They're trying to come clean. Fine. So he goes through looking for that one guy that may be able to get him in touch with contacts. And it, it becomes part of a, a bigger story. Yes, I now have contacts with the, the leading black distributor. But it's not enough for the government to want to take that guy down. They know he's got ties to a much bigger cartel. Right. So it's not one and done for The Rock. The Rock thought, I was told if I get X amount of drugs, that would be enough. The government sees this as a doorway into something bigger. Interesting story, but again, a story that seems like at times they play it out too long. Um, you, you find yourself really wondering if this was in fact true. If it, and, and, and I know the war on drugs is what it is, but it, they play it like he's almost superhero esque, and they're not in fights, but they have the the, the truck 
him driving the truck down the highway, getting blasted like crazy by a warring cartel trying to shoot the thing up. And there's enough going on, but not enough. This movie runs like an hour and 50 minutes and it begins to feel every bit an hour and 50 minutes. Mm -hmm. So it kind of is a victim of its own storytelling. Knock 20 minutes off and you have something here. It, it's definitely worth seeing. You certainly feel... You'll feel bad for the kid, but if you're like me, you say you're fucking stupid, are you? Mm -hmm. you're, you're 18, use your fucking head. And, and so there's a part of me saying, you know, you got what you got. Right. Um, but still, you kind of feel bad. Yeah, should an 18-year-old face 10 years for doing something stupid? And what do you do to that buddy who just sold you up forever? Right. Um, worth viewing... Don't buy, but certainly grab it around. You you won't you won't hate the movie. Right. Cool. That has to be all you watched. That that's that's all I watch. Because I gotta get back on the stick because uh, I I just haven't seen a lot. Well, and, and you know what it is. I I we've discussed before that I have play on, but I've I've gone back to trying to hit the red box over the weekends mm -hmm. and. Because I can find some of this stuff on Play On. It's just easier. If I have the DVD and I paid the fucking money, then I'm going to make myself sit and watch it. And that's kind of the approach I'm taking. Otherwise, it's way too easy. After Snitch ended, I sat and watched another six episodes of Arrested Development. I'm now up to the second episode of Season 3. Season 3 is awesome. And as I told you, Sue jumped ahead on me. Yeah. I went back and rewatched all the episodes in the middle. So I am literally up to the second episode. Nice. And... Dude, this show, I can't give enough love to Arrested Development. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, all right. So that's what we watched this week. Um, I don't really have a recommendation this week. I didn't have really time to, to consider one. I don't know if you thought of one or not. I, 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 I did, and I kind of have to give a bit of a nod to, I think it was... The Film Spotting Podcast for mentioning this is one of the overlooked movies, and it's one I've talked about that I love. Is this and the one that they just did that you listen? Yeah, you listen to the uh, the best movie. Yeah, yeah. And they referenced the movie, and I'm stalling because I want to get you the right the name of the director, and and I know that the subject matter is why a lot of people miss this movie. It's streamable on Netflix. Last I knew, and I'm stalling because I'm realizing I looked up Luc Besson this morning. Uh, let's see, I'm still looking, you were looking up eye-licking porn, is what you were doing. I know. <laughs> well, to be perfectly honest, I actually am a director of eye-licking porn. <laughs> it, it, it starts off with eye-licking, then, then they lower themselves and get vomited upon, oh, and then right. they get shat on afterwards. They get Excellent. the trifecta of ooey-gooeyness. Excellent. So the movie I'm going to recommend, and I promise I'm not going to recommend too many movies as part of these segments because we're pretty much a movie podcast and I want to do other things, but there's a movie that came out that a lot of people missed back in 2006 called Black Snake Moan. Okay. That Samuel L. Jackson, Christina Ricci, and the director is Craig Brewer, who had just come off his run with Hustle and Flow, which is... a incredible movie for especially for a movie about the rap scene which i have nothing for it, it got some oscar nominations i want to say was it the the three whatever mafia one best so, uh, uh, right, song right, of the right. year yep, yep. and it, I, I actually i thought it was it was classic oscar moment when they go up on stage and here's the oscar crowd the academy yep. and here's the three six mafia on stage 
I loved it. To me, that was a great snapshot in Oscar that was, history. Well, that, and it was almost as brilliant as the time that Barbara Streisand had to present the award to Eminem. For yes, <laughs> that, that's another great one for uh, 8 Mile, uh, for Lose Yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so Black Snake Moan was his follow-up. And to sum up what Black Snake Moan is, it's Samuel L. Jackson, who's, he plays an old blues musician whose wife has left him. And she leaves him, and she leaves to go for the big life. And here he is out in Alabama somewhere living in some shit shack. He really has no career blues-wise anymore. And here she goes. She jumps out with a better man, with a much better-to-do man. Just can't do with this life anymore. And he just gets so he hates life. Absolutely hates it. Wonder how he's done everything he can to be a good person. How could God curse him this way? Then they introduced Christina Ricci, who this was one of the first of her roles. I mean, she's not been shy about showing body and much, but this is the one where she really broke out with it. And she basically plays a just a total drug-addled late teen or early 20s kid whose boyfriend, played by Justin Timberlake, heads off to join, is just enlisted, he's heading off. And she basically goes on a bender at a party. Fucking, smoking, doing whatever she can. Finds herself, she gets raped, abused, but for her this is just life. She happens to her all the time. So Samuel L. Jackson wakes up the next morning to find her passed out in his driveway. He takes it as a sign from God that he needs to clean her up. So he does what any sane person will do. He literally abducts her, chains her against his radiator in the house to get her clean. So you're talking to people that are so reprehensible and you're so reviled at his response. But yet, because it's shot in the way it is, you're sympathetic to both of them. You actually start thinking he is doing the right thing for her. And she is every bit the waste case that you can imagine. His... Is his nephew or grandson comes over and she's literally offering herself up just to fuck him because she needs to get fucked, even though here she is chained to a fucking radiator. And it's how they both start coming to grips with their own demons and wrangling them down. It is. It, it, this movie has so much energy. It's such a heavy film. That you literally, when you watch it the first time, you may not like it. It begs itself to be watched again. Pacing-wise, it's what you think a, a movie like this would be. It's not a fast movie. You, it really gets into a character study about how much people put their bodies through and what you have to do to come back again. I Black Snake Moan, if you get a chance to watch it, very heavy R, but worth every, every minute of the investment. And can't recommend that movie enough. Right on. Well, we're going to come back and we're going to see if we can't recommend Man of Steel enough or if it is something that maybe you want to pass on. All right. Goodbye, my son. Hopes and dreams travel with you. Be an outcast. I'll kill him. How? He'll be a god to them.
child dreamed of becoming something other than what society had intended? What if a child aspired to something greater? My son was in the bus. He saw what Clark did. You're the answer, son. You're the answer to are we alone in the universe. Can I just keep pretending I'm your son? You are my son. And I have to believe that you were sent here for a reason. And even if it takes the rest of your life, you owe it to yourself to find out what that reason is. How do you find someone who has spent a lifetime covering his tracks? For some, he was a guardian angel. For others, a ghost who never quite fit in. You will give the people of Earth an ideal to strive towards. They'll race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders. Your son is safe. I will find him! My father believed that if the world found out who I really was, it'd reject me. He was convinced that the world wasn't ready. What do you think? What's the S stand for? It's not an S. On my world, it means hope. Well, here it's an S. How about... Excuse me. So for a while now, Man of Steel has been high on my list of... Potentially the the highest on my list of summer movies to see. Uh, a lot of it driven by the awesome trailers that have come out and all that. So my expectations were pretty high going into this. Mm-hmm. And while I don't think my expectations were fully met, I wasn't completely disappointed either. Uh, I think I, I, I don't think. In my opinion, we ended up with an epic superhero movie as much as we did just a really good summer blockbuster movie. Could not agree more. Um, and a lot of that has a lot of the the feedback I had heard from fanboys and stuff leading up to this within the last week or so prior to the film. Was that and it took me aback. It was like there's too much damn action in this movie. And I'm thinking to myself, how the hell can there be too much action in a Superman movie? <laughs> Until and, you see it. <laughs> and the, exactly. And then I'm like, oh my god, there's just too much fucking action well, in this. And it isn't maybe that there's too much. It's just, it's just overload. Here, here's the problem. And, and I recognize we haven't even discussed the plot of the movie. Right. 
So you have Superman, who, in this, they posit the idea that even though you're from Krypton, you can still be hurt on this planet. You can just take a lot more before you're hurt. Superman is not all-powerful. Just damn close to it. Right. And in this movie, you get the villain, General Zod, who we knew from both Supermans 1 and 2, even though 1, it was a real quick shot. 2, far more of a character. Also from Krypton. The problem you have with this kind of storyline is you have two people that have the same abilities, pretty much impossible to hurt. So they fall on the device of basically flying each other through how many buildings? and Every building. And it gets really old. building. Whereas the final scene between he and Zod was, to me, the best scene they had. Right. Where it was, they're still, they're struggling, there is the human element being involved in it. Right. For the first time we come to see that play out, that played fine. But at first, the first... 14 minutes of their battle where they're literally just pushing each other through this structure and that structure. Yeah. It's kind of where, why a Hulk movie, you got to be careful. And as much as seeing Hulk smash is cool. Yeah. Seeing Hulk, Hulk and big badass just keep much. smashing like yeah. crazy gets overloaded. Superman smash a lot more than Hulk smash. <laughs> and so the the final battle, which is a long part of the movie, it's a good half hour that yeah. the throwdown's really going on. You, it becomes sensory overload. It's at the level of where the Transformer films, and, and as much yeah. as I love those, I acknowledge they become sensory sensory overload, and you're just like, well, it's just, I, you start checking out. It, well, exactly, you do start checking out. It became it became comic. It became for me less about this this battle of these two titans. At this point, I'm like. Oh wait, over there! There's a building you haven't wrecked right. yet. Go get that one. And, and that's. But let's go. Let's start. Let's go back to the beginning of the movie here, mm-hmm. because I thought the first hour of this film was brilliant, fantastic. And, and I do want to say I love Henry Cavill, dude. In oh, this I role, I think he looks great. I thought he was great. Um, I, I actually, actually had no no issues with the casting, casting anywhere um, in the film. Um, but yeah, we we get a little bit more of. Krypton in mm-hmm. the beginning, um, Russell Crowe as Jor El, and he was great. Yep. Um, it, we get a, a more um, it's a more CGI heavy Krypton that we, but understandably so. We haven't seen Krypton it, since the seventies. So. Exactly. Um, and, and 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 what's happened is that General Zod, played by Michael Shannon, is sort of attempting a coup um, to overthrow. And take over Krypton, but Jor-El and, and his side is like, look, we're doomed. We're done. And what he does is he takes his son, who will become Superman, and ships him off. With the Codex, which is yes. basically the the their version of the program. Krypton's gotten to a point where they feel that they're super beings enough. Right. They've colonized enough that they no longer even allow Kryptonians... To have their own children, they basically have like this this something pool. I don't that wasn't genetic pool, but it was something like that birthing pool, harvest pool. Yeah, where it, basically it's almost like you know they they produce Kryptonian people that are that are already perfect, yeah. 
and that fit whatever needs. So they have one for each niche that they need. It's on the like planet. going through the land boat ride at Epcot and yep. seeing the the uh, the trees that are growing the organic. Yep. Uh, it, where it's perfect. Yeah, yeah it's absolutely. In every detail, except that there's no humanity. I right. guess lack of where to put it. Right. And so Jorel and I'm losing. Mrs. Jorel. Yeah, I, I, they actually centered the name in here. Mm-hmm. Are the first ones to have a child in decades, yes. in fact, centuries, if I'm not mistaken, a natural of their birth. own choice. Right. And, But part of the whole process of the birthing is that they have this codex that basically holds all of Krypton in it. Right. All the history, yeah. all of what makes... Kryptonians, Kryptonians. It's basically kind of like their mass consciousness. Right. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. And it's part of the birthing pool, so people are, so Kryptonians are instantly embedded with this. Yeah. Jarrell recognizing that they've done so much damage to Krypton, it's going to just to basically implode upon itself. Steals this to also send with Kal right. to Earth, which is a planet that they. I like the idea of the Kryptonian colonization attempts because all of a sudden we have a reason to understand how they would know about Earth. It was one of the many planets that they landed on at some point to look and see if there's any value to ever coming back. What we didn't realize is because unlike what we picture Krypton from in the past, which looks really pristine and for the better good, Kryptonians aren't necessarily for the better good. No. They're out there just trying to spread their seed one way or another. Right. They're out, and, and by spreading their seed, it's basically we wipe things clean, which is the premise of the end of the movie, and start fresh as our new Krypton. Right. Um, and as you said, Zod is all for this way of life, but he wants to be the one to control it. Right. So. So. They, uh, Jor-El and Mrs. Jor-El ship, uh. Kal El off in the, his little space pod, um, and then I like what they do here. Rather than here goes the ship, well, and they arrest Zod. Zod gets arrested, and he's uh, he's sentenced uh, to like three hundred circuits through three hundred cycles, and basically, unlike in Superman two, well one and two, where you see him putting that little yeah, yeah. square thing and spun out across yeah. the little Bill and Ted thing. In yeah. this, they basically put him in almost like a cryo freeze. Yeah, drop him in this ship that basically folds space and just dumps him out in this this part of space that's just no man's land. Right. It's almost like being on the inside of a black hole. It would be, I guess, would be right, another way right, to put right. it. Um, but I like what happens next when when Kal-El's little ship comes uh, down to Earth. Rather than getting the uh, "Here's Mom and Pa Kent driving by," and then the, they see the uh, the thing crash like you did in the original Superman, it immediately like cuts to Clark Kent as you know a young adult. There was Probably. a scene with him struggling with all of a sudden his. The, the visions and the sounds and everything started to come around yeah, in yeah, school. Yeah, 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 yeah. I and, love that. Yeah, and, and like for the next 20 minutes or so, it's really, you're seeing his childhood through, like, flashbacks and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, where he saves the kids on the bus, where he's getting beat up by the bullies and stuff like that. All in the meantime, where they're cutting to the present, yeah. where you're seeing, hey, he, uh, Clark, who's 
He's working in a diner as a waiter. Yeah, he's he's basically as a struggling with finding yeah. where he's supposed to land. He right. doesn't know his potential yet. Right. He just knows he's got abilities that he's not supposed to have. And I thought the way they, they did this, interspersing between the past and the present, worked. It was great perfect. storytelling. Yeah, it was great awesome. storytelling. Um, and then we get to the Lois Lane pieces of this. And I thought Amy Adams did great. Yep. I'm not exactly sold that. Her character was the right, was done right. Uh, I, I'm not. I, I struggle in that, especially as the movie's progressing. I'm struggling that all of a sudden she's going to get thrown into a flight suit by the military, and they're going to trust the reporter from the Daily Planet to handle. Uh, to I, handle I don't some of these The only way I could reconcile things. that was. Superman, I think they started calling him, even though I think Lois Lane was the first one to reference the fact that they're just calling him that because they don't know what else to call right. No, she starts saying, so you're kind of like a super, and then they cut it off. Um, I kind of reconciled that idea with the fact that she's really the only one he's truly relating to at this point, so maybe the military would use that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm probably throwing a bit of a bone for well, a she, And she did discover the... Uh, I don't know what they called it, the little thing that sort of popped up uh, Jor-El and some oh, of his yeah, instructions. The, the, basically the, the, the something key. Uh, yeah, and, and this this stuff is really just substituting for what you saw in the original Supermans as the, the crystals. Right, that, the, that, the chucking of the crystals, creating the Fortress of Solitude. Yeah. And then having his crystals, that's his knowledge base. And this is basically... And I like this. Oh, I actually prefer this. Yeah. That it's basically the, the Kryptonian ship is his Fortress Solitude, right. the one that the colonists had used when they first landed on Earth. Right. It has all the consciousness of Krypton in it because it's got the computer. Basically, these things are like little USB ports, so you just plug them into certain things. and, then, and then I did can... find that to be a little weird. Yeah. Because it's like, so everyone's carrying around one with their family crest, and that's yeah. what which, okay, maybe they are. I guess it'd be no different than a signet ring, I suppose. Right. But, holy God, the, the power you could wield by just grabbing somebody's is nuts. Yeah. But the things that I... Well, I like the Lois Lane... I, I like the Amy Adams as Lois Lane. I thought it worked. For the, for the first time, we get a Lois Lane that's not like this damsel in distress bullshit. She's... she's and Lois Lane's always been feisty, but she's always been... Especially the way Margot Kidder did it. Oh, no! Superman, help me! And we don't get that here at all. Mm. You know, Lois could take care of herself in this flip. Yep. But and don't even get me going on Kate Boss Wars. Uh, that was useless. But um, the relationship that that allegedly builds between Superman and Lois Lane is just it's glossed over way too much. It, it went way too fast. Quick. Cause, yeah, because because we don't at the towards the end there we see them like making out, but we didn't we didn't really see how they I don't know connected together to begin with. And I'm assuming we've seen all the scenes where they did connect. And that's that I have yeah. a real struggle with. Is I, I like, we clearly have seen every bit of their interaction. Right. Holy God. Is Lois Lane just flat out easy for this dude? <laughs> <laughs> that's just it. I, I would have I liked to have seen more about that relation. You could have cut out 15 minutes of that fucking debacle at the end there mm -hmm. with, the, with the action and done a little bit more around Lois's and and Superman's relationship. Yeah, 
Either that, or had there been not, had it been them building a relationship, right. and they can move on to the next stage in the next right. movie, which they will be. Right. Um, then you get Pa Kent, Kevin Costner, um, who, who I liked in the movie, but then you come to the part of the movie where Pa Kent is going to depart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, spoiler warning, whatever, if you... You know, Pa Kent dies. He always dies in the yep. movies. It's like it'd be like saying that Uncle Ben and Spider Man yep. dies. Pa Kent dies. And this was the cheesiest bullshit I have ever seen. <laughs> I I had nothing for that that whole. First of all, it happens in, in a twister. In well, they live in Kansas, in Kansas. right? Right, and, so, and and fuck you to all the people like, oh, we should have cut this out. or Which, or there was a big push. Oh, I know. And there was a great article on Yahoo, well, great nothing, where the, the, right, the reporter or whoever it was posted that they felt that it ought to be removed, and I lambasted them for even... For, oh, so what's next? I did. Oh. And I, I, my comment was basically, so what's next? Anytime we have any kind of death or tragedy, we got to go edit all of the films, all of history of film. Right. And make it so that doesn't happen. Right. We'll be left with just the basically the project will turn on and 30 seconds later it will turn off the end. Right. We cannot right. go down this path. Right. Yeah, just just stop it. It's, it's you know, we, we should ban Twister from the archives altogether mm-hmm. because of what happened in Oklahoma. Come yeah. on. And Wizard of Oz needs to be run through, too. Yeah. <laughs> Holy God. <laughs> we need to build in a time machine there, because we can't have a, a twister have it. Oh, transporter her to a magical yeah. world. No, 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 uh, no. Shit. <laughs> fucking bullshit. Damn freaking people and their sensitivities. Mm. Fuck you. Um, you know, what happened there was tragic. It was. No question. It, it was also... It, it's also the reality of reality living in the of living, Yeah, exactly. It, it's... <coughs> Natural disasters can happen at any point, anywhere. Absolutely, there's no way we can should be rewriting history. There's no way we should be editing out these things out of movies. Right. If you're bothered by it, know that there's a tornado scene in this movie, and hold off until you're until you're ready to move on right. or get to a comfort place. Right. But not everybody needs to be put through the same kind of treatment that way. Thank you. Anyway, so th- there's this big giant CG twister that's bearing down on this group of people that are out in the middle of traffic, I can, from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody's running for underneath the overpass where, I guess, you're supposed to, yeah. to do in, in, when twisters are coming. And Pa Kent goes back for the dog. Now, the first problem I had was, by the nature of this twister, as it's shown on screen... You, know, you love your pets, but when you're looking at that, sorry, dog. Well, actually, <laughs> not going back for the dog. I, I'll put it this way: I wouldn't have had to because the dog would have come with me to begin well, with. Well, there's when that. I got out of the vehicle to bail, that yeah. dog's coming with me. Right. I'm taking the time then, not going back afterwards. But in the event somehow the dog is there, you're not going to go battle wits with that twister to Probably save not. dog. Or you both die. <laughs> I mean, this was this was like a massive twister. Mm-hmm. Not going back to save dog. All right, all right. So, all right. He's a noble pocket. He's going back to save dog. Not believing for a second 
that Clark's not going back to save this. Right. I or with that. or letting his father. I I you know his father has spent his whole life trying to convince him that the world is not ready for you. They're going to fear you. They're going to the backlash against you is going to be too great. You have to hide who you are. And here's my question. So when was the world going to be ready? Exactly. Oh, who are you to say what the world right. is? And, and and maybe that was maybe that was. So a is that poor... selfish of him? Is it maybe well, that he doesn't want to have to deal well, with and that's what the world what thinks it, of him? I was going to say maybe it's his own way of saying he's not ready mm-hmm. to deal with the potential backlash, and that's selfish. And and maybe that's what the intent was. I don't. If that's the case, I don't think storytelling wise they did a very good job of showing. No. That. And you could even be said selfish because I thought it was real cheesy when he knows finally that he's going to get swept up in this tornado, but he's all calm and he just puts up his hand like, no, son, don't come for me. This is the end. Bullshit. Dude, your your instincts alone at that point are like, all right, yeah, all right, come get me. (laughs) Get me the (laughs) The world is ready. The world is ready. Well, yeah. (laughs) Think about your your own freaking, uh, your, your wife. Yeah, actually, but I mean, come on. I, and I, I thought the whole hand thing, uh, that whole thing, was just cheesy. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I, I think that they tried to write him like he was a bit selfish, and, and but I don't know that it played out as well as they'd hoped it would have. It's like with the busload of kids, and I thought it was a great line because it, it's something that's never been explored in a Superman flick. When he says, "What am I supposed to do? Just let them die?" and he's like, "Maybe." Yeah, well, and uh, to me, that's always been the biggest part of the Superman thing, is if you really want to do a good Superman movie, you need to consider how how Superman slash Clark Kent could, in theory, struggle with the fact that if he just took total control over Mm -hmm. this planet Mm -hmm. and made it his own, he could protect us from it. Would that make him totalitarian? Certainly. But that, to me, is the interesting little catch with Superman, is he has the ability to make this planet whatever the hell he wants if he just wanted to seize control. And well, at that, no point have they right. ever really shown that struggle with him. Right. And I don't even know if that was the struggle here. I mean, they didn't show it. You want... You're, you embrace a guy who... I, I think what, what he needs to be is the hero who can help stop those global situations. He can he can stop the general Zods. If you want to take it to a more realistic level uh, outside of comic books, he could stop nuclear holocausts mm-hmm. and wars and stuff like that. But should he intervene in in some sort of godlike fashion? Should he intervene in 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 a destiny of individuals? If a bus goes into a river, is it up to him to go and save this busload of kids? You know, yeah. If Clark Kent is is driving by and sees bus careen into river, sure. Mm-hmm. But if Clark Kent's on the other side of the world and just some tragedy happens, is is that something yeah. that he needs to get involved with? Yeah. I I, I think that. That to me is where you really, where the Superman mythos needs to analyze things a bit because you could, where do you draw the line? And and I think that was kind of the approach this movie was trying to take 
it just didn't deliver it that well. But I loved the, the school bus scene. I, I thought that was great. a great scene. Yeah, I, I did too. Um, and then somehow Zack Snyder got left alone with the controls and we get the last 45 minutes of this film. Mm-hmm. Which is clearly clearly the beginning parts. I think was very Christopher Nolan influenced because yep, it was very Batman agree. Begins ish, a very darker and grittier Clark Kent, which turned a lot of people off because this you know you can get away with that in Batman. Batman is a dark, gritty character. Superman has always been that squeaky clean mm-hmm. Clark Kent, you know, sort of sort of lovable but sort of dorky kind of guy, and that's not what you're getting here at all. Oh no, not at all. So you can definitely see Nolan's influence there. Snyder, um, I, I like Zack Snyder. I do. I, I, and, I, and, I'm not, and I'm not, I'm probably being a lot more harsh on him here. I just thought, I think he just went a little bit, got a little carried away with the, with the CGI and I the agree. battle and shit like that. Um, and it's not to say that none of this really looked good. It looked great. Mm-hmm. There was just way too much of it. And, and I don't even disagree with the, the plot device that... That basically Zod has decided, okay, fine, let's bring Krypton back to Earth. Right. I just think that they went a bit overboard in, in what they threw at you. Well, it, it, there's that, and they completely ignore the fact. I mean, you have Metropolis here, which is, you know, in the superverse, is the New York City of, of uh, urban areas. And you've pretty much destroyed Every single inch of it. Mm-hmm. There has to be hundreds of thousands of people no in question. this town. And for a minute there, I'm, I'm like looking at some of the destruction and some of the rubble. And it appears that out of these hundreds of thousands of people, only Perry White and Jenny Olsen are the only two that are left rummaging around through the mm-hmm. rubble. Where's everybody else? Then I started to see a few people, but all of these people that were running and I mean, this stuff ha- didn't happen over the course of days. This this city did not get evacuated. People no. did not get out. These buildings that are and, collapsing yeah, would have been full of people. Full of people. <laughs> Inside and underneath. I mean, they, they made it clear this was happening during a work day. Yes. In Metropolis. They were all in the Daily Planet working. You, Perry White had to say, okay, people, we need to get out of yes, here. Yes, <laughs> there had to have been hundreds of thousands of people killed. And, and, and that's what really bothered me the most about the battle scene is, maybe at that point, Superman hadn't come to the conclusion that he's here to protect humanity. But there's got to be some part of him saying, me flying Zod recklessly through mm-hmm. buildings, taking mm-hmm. him down is going to amount to massive loss of human life. Right. So this and isn't the way we fight it. it's never touched upon. And, and, and until the very end where he saves the family of three, who, I love yeah. the scene, but why the fuck are they just standing there? Oh yeah, I noticed that too. There was plenty of, plenty of room to get out before it got to that point. It's kind of like, all I can think of is the scene in freaking Austin Powers with uh, Michael, uh, Mike McDonald, whatever his name was from Mad TV. And, and, uh, Austin Powers is on the steamroller, uh, and Mike McDonald says, the security guard, no! And they yeah. keep cutting, no! And you see the gap. I mean, this gap is closing yeah. so slowly. Instead of just getting the fuck out of the way, yeah. he stands there. And I kind of look at the family going, yeah, it could move. 
Right. Just saying. Right. Laser beam, the, 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 the burning eye thing from yeah. Zod is not coming straight at you. You have a few seconds here to rea- react to it. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, that that was that was a little cheesy, but yeah, it, you know, for a movie that has set itself up in the first hour as as exploring who he's going to become, you know, is it right to save these people or not to save these people, or is the world ready for you and all this kind of stuff, and then to have this like what amounts to a catastrophe mm-hmm. on on such a massive level and to completely ignore that is a big thing. Yeah, it, it, it is. Um, is the world ready for you? Well, the, the, <laughs> the 1.6 million people that probably just died as a result of what you're doing probably weren't ready and for you. And I don't you. know that insurance adjusters are overly happy right now either. Right. Because well, they're going to be paying out some big bills. And after that thing... How many people in the world are like, um, next time let's just hand the dude over to Zod like he wanted and then yeah. we've avoided all of this shit. I, now, I do want to back up. There was one scene, though, around that that I loved. I loved the scene where he turns himself in to the military. Oh, well, yeah. And the whole, I absolutely love the whole thing where he's allowed himself to be handcuffed yeah. and he's meeting with Lois and she's like, why are you doing I know I can get out of this, but at this point, what right. difference does it make? It makes them feel better. <laughs> right. And that, I love that whole yeah. scene. Yeah. To me, and that to me is where the Superman character worked the best in this movie, was when it was on a much smaller scale. Yeah. Way, and and I think that in the end will be this movie's biggest feeling is the best parts were on the small scale. Unfortunately, they the last half of the movie... Or at least the last 45 minutes was such a large scale, you could not wrap your mind around it. A large scale that really just glossed over or ignored everything that they had set up Mm -hmm. leading up to it. Yeah, yeah, that was was a big thing. If if your thing is just CGI blockbuster entertainment, you're going to get it. It's a great movie. And there's no doubt in my mind that we've we've built a foundation. Absolutely. They've, They've got a good cast. Some really good ideas, and I loved Michael Shannon as Zod. And as much as a too. lot of people are trashing it, uh, I thought he was great. I thought he was fine. And the very end of the flick, I mean, I think, and I think that's what it is. You have to look at this as a foundational flick for a franchise moving forward. Yeah, it was another origin story, and people will say, "Well, we didn't need another damn origin story." Well, Whatever. When you're redefining a, a franchise like this, you do. You need. Mm-hmm. You need to do that. This is Zack Snyder and Christopher Nolan's version of this. You have to start it again. You can't take the the origin story from the Christopher Reeve thing 30 no. years ago and, and move with that. You can't do it. Um, and I think where they leave this is the next, the next uh, flick in this franchise is going to be probably a more traditional... Superman type flick. Now he's going to work for the planet and yeah. all this stuff, and you're going to get more familiar type stuff. It's interesting now that Lois Lane knows who he is. Mm-hmm. I I actually like that spin. Yeah. But, well, it, it admittedly, the whole movie as it started wrapping up, I'm going maybe they're not going to approach the Daily Planet thing, which it would not have broken my heart for them to do left out anything to do with the Daily Planet. 
I, I wouldn't have minded this to have been their own reimagining where Clark doesn't go to work for the Daily Planet. Unfortunately, the last two minutes, we got him going to work, putting the glasses on like people aren't going to recognize. <laughs> right. But they saved it by Lois clearly knowing exactly who he was. Right. And I liked that angle. To me, I, I play off that angle then, fine. Because you're right. Perry White would have no idea what Superman really looked like. Right. So you can have Clark be him and work for the Daily. That's fine. But I like the fact that they didn't try to treat the entire cast as being stupid. Right. And to me, that was always one of the biggest fails in Superman is, how stupid is Lois Lane? Honestly, how fucking stupid is she? You've flown with the dude. Yeah. He's carried you. And those glasses alone, that covers it up. Right. <laughs> really? Right. <laughs> Um, uh, with the big the big scene there with uh, with um, Perry White and Jenny Olsen, you know, getting or Jenny getting caught under the rubble and stuff like that, was that playing well with you at all? Or, no. or I mean, I, it was sort of like, what's the point? You you were you were reaching for some sort of emotion, some sort of moment yeah. there, I, and it it just didn't work. And maybe a lot of it had to do with. You've, you've spent all of about 45 seconds with Perry White and no time with Jenny Olsen. Mm. So I didn't give a shit about them about well, amongst, I'll amongst be, any of I'll the people. I'll throw this out there. Until you said this, I forgot it was Jenny Olsen. Yeah. I, 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 I literally, until you brought it up, because I was going to comment on, well, I, did we see Jimmy Olsen in this? Totally forgetting, no, they went Jenny Olsen in this. Mm. I forgot that was even Jenny. They they, they yeah. did nothing really with those characters, no. which is fine. I get he's not working for the Daily. He just started working for the Daily Planet. Right. Chances are in the next. But next if you're going to world, use those characters to do try something to, with to try to do, yeah, you have to you have to give me a reason to give a shit that these two characters are right. under there, other than they're just the names of well, people. And here's what I'm franchise. thinking. She can't be the only person trapped under rubble at this point. And then everybody <laughs> in the city is trapped under rubble. I mean, there's got to be tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands yes. under rubble. Why are we spending 15 seconds looking at this one? Right. Don't care. Right. I just don't care. Yeah. Um, what would you think of Zod's little henchwoman? Uh, you know, uh, I'm finding it interesting how much fervor there is that people have over this chick right now. I dug her enough. But I, I, didn't, I don't get why people are saying she's stealing the show or anything. She's a badass. Right. Man, so so was the one in uh, Superman 2. She was a badass. There weren't uh, as many nods to the original films as I thought there would be. There was a couple. Um, most notably, you know, when, when he's the waiter um, early on in the flick and he, he sort of gets pushed around by the, the thug douchebag mm -hmm. in there and stuff. You knew you were waiting for that, like later on, come back, like like uh, Christopher Reeve did with the guy throwing him through the the jukebox yep. and stuff. And, and all he does, all he did was behind the scenes, the guy goes out and finds his truck wrapped up with with big logs. It was a, it was and a stuff. lumber uh, lumber yeah. hauling truck, and yeah. basically he took about every log there was and yeah. destroyed the truck. Was that satisfying enough for nah, you? I, I actually, at that point, I would rather have seen him chuck the dude. Yeah. I I get it, but I was like, wow, Superman's a passive-aggressive douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and even, like, uh, they never really approached with, with Zod's henchwoman there, and they didn't never approach the uh, the conflict with Lois Lane directly there, mm -hmm. you know, how at the end when Margot Kidder slugs her after her powers are gone, but I guess because they never really addressed 
or they never really went there with the loss of powers. So, and they just, those two never connected. No. Um, the, you did get the, uh, the Luther, uh, Lex, Lex Corp. Lex Corp. Uh, on the, on uh, the oil tankers. Yeah. Now, I missed it, and I'm hearing it's the, the satellite scene. Yeah. Was a, a, uh, I'm losing what Bruce Wayne's company is called. Wayne now. Uh, oh, Wayne Enterprises. Uh, that the the satellite was a Wayne Enterprises I satellite. Miss, I actually did I, miss that. Too. Uh, and I've heard. Uh, the only reason I know it is I I I read spoilers somewhere that said there's going to be a scene with the satellite that Zod takes out. It's Wayne Enterprises. You'll see the logo. If, if that's the Easter egg to lead up to a Superman and Batman movie. You got to give me a little more to go on than that. To be honest, these these comic book movies, superhero movies, are right full of these. Oh. Yeah, we've already seen an amazing Spider-Man where you can see Wayne Enterprise building in the background, or, or Oscorp, or whatever else is going on in all these movies. Give me more to go on than that. Um, but yeah, I actually caught the LexCorp tanker trailer thing. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts or you know final? Well, Revelations. It, I, I I liked the film. I uh, liked it, and I'll certainly recommend for people to see it on the big screen. Yep. Just be prepared to be a little tired and overwhelmed. Yeah, it, it's two. It's definitely two different movies, two different styles, sort of mashed together, um, and they don't they don't necessarily work well together. No. Um, but they're but it's but it's highly entertaining from start to finish, regardless. It's a, um, it's a summer it, film. It lays a good foundation for the franchise. Yep. Um, I, I expect more from the next one. I would agree. I, I still... I think it was a better film than Iron Man 3. Oh, no question. And I want to thank them for not having Kryptonite being part of this goddamn movie. Not yet. It, I know. But, it's going to be. But, yes. That, but that was it's, it's too much of an easy out. Oh, yeah. But there's a part of me thinking this. If if they're going to do Zod at, at the level that they did, would they have been better off starting smaller with a Lex Luthor? Where it becomes more brain against brawn. Be, or just tuning down the action that we got in this one. I think they just needed to tune down the action this time. I, Snyder just throws the kitchen sink at the <laughs> final 45 minutes of the <coughs> Yeah, they just need to have dialed that back a little bit, addressed some of the, the themes that they had going in the beginning, and it would have been a better film. But I'd still give it like a three out of five. Yeah, I'm going three and a half for, out of five. For pure entertainment value. It, it, it wasn't my favorite movie this summer. Now, thus far, I'd probably land on Star Trek being uh, my favorite. Mm, yeah, probably. Um, well, not After Earth, oddly enough. Not After Earth, no. <laughs> well, it's that, a close third. Right. Next week, um, there's another... World War Z. Another big budget, yeah. World War Z. Um, early reviews are, are more positive than, than negative. Than I would have expected. But I'm not necessarily going to jump on that train just yet until I see it. Because mm -hmm. all the reviews for Iron Man 3 going in were pretty positive, too. Yeah, best and, Iron Man ever. And, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't horrible, but it certainly was not the best Iron Man ever. But, no. uh, I, you know, World War Z, um, you know, who knows? Maybe it's better than it looks, because it doesn't look... It looks like a CGI mess. Yeah, and I'm not a big fan of the look of that, that 
cascading waterfall of alleged no. zombies. The, the mountain stupid. of zombie yeah. climbing the wall. Yeah. yeah, that just looks stupid. Anyway, we'll we'll be there. We'll take the bullet again for the we we for did, three listeners. We survived after Earth. We'll do uh, this one. Barely. Yeah. All right. Next time. Late. Late.